You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Hi there, good morning. Thanks for listening. Monday the 25th of July, a little overcast here in TW11. Good day, however, to be back in business after a fortnight to recharge the batteries. Thanks to Tom and Charlotte for all their hard work. And I join you as we're on the cusp of Galway, which begins this evening. And, of course, Glorious Goodwood, the Qatar Goodwood Festival, which starts tomorrow. I will be broadcasting from Goodwood Tuesday through Friday this week. The latest news is that Caribus, the 2000 Guineas and St James's Palace Stakes winner, will not run in the Sussex Stakes on Wednesday. Just seven horses have been declared for that. Godolphin have released a statement saying, unfortunately, Caribus will not run. He was lame in his box this morning after examination was found to have an abscess in his left hind paston. This is being treated. He will now target the Group 1 Prix Jacques Lamaroua at Deauville. So Caribus is out. It leaves Baid's task as a yet more straightforward one, even though he has to take on the July Cup winner alcohol-free and the Breeders' Cup mile winner, Order of Australia, who looked back on point last time. More of that later in the show. More also of tomorrow's Group 1 feature, the Goodwood Cup, which is the matchup at this stage between Kiprios, the Gold Cup winner, and Stradivarius, who'll be ridden by Andrea at Zany, and possibly Trushan if the ground is no quicker than good. And I'll be getting an update not only on the ground at Goodwood from the clerk of the course, Ed Arkel, but on the well-being of the Gold Cup winner, Kiprios, from racing manager Fiona Craig. Also later in the programme, I'll be talking to Paul Nolan about his Galway hurdle dilemma as regards HMS Seahorse, who he is having to run at short odds in a hurdle race this evening. Before we get into that, however, we need to reflect on the King George at Ascot. Won by Piledriver, another Group 1 success for the horse that nobody wanted as a yearling. Homebred, small trainers, William Muir and Chris Grassick on the licence. PJ McDonald deputising for Martin Dwyer, sideline through injury. Lots to enjoy about the performance, and we'll be doing that in the company of owner breeder Roger Devlin in a few moments' time. But David Yates is newsboy from the Daily Mirror. Dave, when you drove home from Ascot on Saturday evening, how were you looking back at the 2022 running of the King George? I think it's instructive to try and look at this race from the perspective of three jockeys who didn't ride in it. Uh, Rob Hornby, of course, uh, Westover, David Egan, who would have been watching Mishrift, and of course, Martin Dwyer, uh, so closely connected with Piledriver. Let's deal with David Egan first. Um, he lost the ride aboard Mishrift, and with it, the contract with uh, Prince Faisal, uh, the horse's Saudi owner. As a result, we think the catalyst was the, the defeat in the Coral Eclipse, which many people saw as unlucky. It was certainly narrow. Uh, Mishrif, runner-up in the King George, of course, 12 months ago, uh, was beaten ahead by Vadeni, having made a sluggish exit from the stalls. Well, anyone who was inclined to think that was David Egan's fault would have watched Saturday's events when he was noticeably slow uh, in pursuing the other runners for the King George under James Doyle. Um, I would have thought that perhaps if David Egan uh, 
privately, and I thought his public reaction to the to the news of the split was very classy. If he did feel that um, he was the uh, perhaps the the victim of an injustice, well, that probably won't have gone away because it's clear that Mishrif and his problems at the start are getting worse rather than getting better, and they don't seem to be. Um, it doesn't seem to be within the gift of the jockey to do anything about that. Um, Rob Hornby, of course, uh, lost the ride aboard Westover for the Irish Derby, in which I think most of us agreed that whilst Colin Keane is a, a, an exceptional jockey, that most riders could have won on Westover that day. I, I was quite confused uh, by what happened to Westover at the, the weekend. And it, it's quite unusual in the press room, Nick, to consult with other journalists, to ask them how they were writing. It, it sort of betrays that you're not quite sure of your own opinion. But I wasn't on Saturday because I thought that Westover got the opposite of an uncomplicated ride. There were things that happened early on, little spats for the lead, positions that he got in that I thought were unnecessary. But I wasn't sure whether Colin Keane actually could do anything about it or whether Westover, who was certainly buzzy and sweaty uh, before the race, had just got too lit up and the jockey wasn't able to contain him. I, I was actually writing in the press room that those supporters of Westover might be a little confused as to uh, the, the tactics that... Colin Keane employed um, aboard the favourite, but the consensus seemed to be simply that uh, the horse was so buzzed up that he'd effectively run away uh, with Colin Keane, who was unable to do anything about it. Um, but nevertheless, Rob Hornby would have watched that with interest. I think that many of us thought that he was unlucky to lose the ride in Ireland. And then there was the discussion as to whether Colin Keane, who has still yet to ride uh, a winner at Ascot, would keep the mountain, the King George. I must say in saying all this, I, I've always, since I, since I first went into a British press room, I've always disliked that tactic of um, slagging off foreign-based jockeys just because they're not here to defend themselves. Um, and I'm just raising this as, as to how Rob Hornby would have viewed Saturday's race. It certainly went badly awry. Uh, for the favourite Westover, who I think will now have a break before coming back to the autumn. And then, of course, Martin Dwyer, so long, uh, the jockey of Piledriver, sidelined since March with the knee ligament injury. Um, I would have thought for him it was a, it was bittersweet because whilst he, he had to watch P Ma PJ McDonald, who uh, gave Piledriver an excellent ride, whilst he had to watch that, uh, and and lament the fact that that he wasn't the winning jockey on this occasion. The fact that he's William Muir's son-in-law and has a, a a long and still enduring association uh, with the winner would go, I think, an awful long way towards sweetening the pill. So I just thought it was interesting to look at it from the perspective of uh, of the jockeys uh, that didn't ride in the race, certainly in the case of David Egan and Rob Hornby. And if we broaden this out into a wider sense, I think that often betting shop punters, owners, trainers, those of us who watch but don't ride horses are inclined to blame the jockey uh, for what went on. And perhaps Saturday's events show us that maybe those reactions are a bit rash and the, the whole business is not quite as simple as it might appear for, for, for those of us who are watching in the stands. Well, 
I'm very keen, as as most were over the weekend, not to to damn f- pile driver with with faint praise and to give him the the due respect his his romp and it was really a romp in the King George deserves uh, and I don't suppose um, owner breeder Roger Devlin will will mind me doing that. But first of all, Roger, just just try and and give me some idea as to to what this what this particular victory meant to you and your and your partners. It's, it's a sort of vindication of a. A huge amount of effort by William Muir in the first instance. Um, you know, there probably aren't many trainers that are up at five in the morning um, on, on their horse walker and then drive the horse home in, in the box 12 hours later, which is exactly what William did on Saturday. Um, so I think this is a testament to his effort and everybody in the yard. And, um, you know, obviously disappointing that, that Martin, who's given a lot of help behind the scenes, uh, you know, couldn't ride him, but, you know, PGA executed the plan to, to perfection. So, I mean, we, we already won a Group 1 in the Coronation Cup, but, I mean, I think, you know, the King George is regarded as a as a real major test of middle-distance horses, you know, from, from all age groups. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're, we're truly delighted. There are many people of significant means that have turned down big offers for horses down the years but everyone's got their their price at, at the end of the day um, what is it that that's meant that you you've just resolutely said we're in this journey for good we we we've listened from time to time you'd be foolish if you didn't um but i think we felt that all, all we would do is go to Tattersalls with a, you know, with a profit in our back pocket, and 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 it would all disappear on horses that probably would never be as good. And secondarily, you don't have the emotional connection of having bred the horse, so um, that's made that decision making process, you know, quite quite easy. Um, you know, this is it, it's certainly not about the money now. It's 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 been very much, I think, an emotional journey for for all our families. I think. And there's a sense to which you've you've kept it straightforward insofar as your eye hasn't been turned by other trainers. When you were asked to choose another jockey, yes, you've you've gone for Frankie Dottori initially, but with his unavailability, you've gone back to a rider who's ridden before. When you could have you could have more slavishly followed fashion, I suppose. Has that been difficult or or, or relatively straightforward? No, I, I think it's genuinely been been quite straightforward. I mean. Uh, we we all uh, sat down uh, when you know when Martin was injured and um, you know his next race was the Shima Classic and um, Martin recommended that we use Frankie. I mean Frankie had won the Shima several times over. Uh, he was in Dubai already. He was available and he's absolutely a world class jockey. Um, he retained the ride in the Coronation Cup. Did nothing wrong and we'd have been very happy for him to ride him in the King George if he hadn't had his rapprochement. Um, uh, with John Gosden, I mean Frank. Frankie was gracious enough to come and have a have a drink with us afterwards, um, and, and and congratulate him. And I, you know, there are no hard feelings on, on from from anybody at all. I mean, um, PGA uh, did ride him as a two year old, won on him as a two year old, and we had every confidence that um, he'd do a great job for us as he, as he did. I remember in the in the uh, unsaddling enclosure after the Shima Classic, William Muir came up and said. Frankie's just said, I'll, "I'll win the King George for you," and I thought, "Well, this is this is a classic bit of Dottori after the race, and a classic bit of Muir, whose glass is always uh, overflowing, never mind half full. Uh, he he's somebody f- for us is 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 tremendous copy, William Muir. I mean, as an owner, do you get 
swept along w- by his enthusiasm or do you sometimes think oh come on William pull the other one you always say he's going to win um, no, no we don't get swept along I, I, I mean I think if if you're if you've been a lifelong trainer of you know quite a few modest horses as William has you know you'd, you know you'd have to be an optimist to retain your sanity wouldn't you I mean it is a um, you know but uh, we've we've had some very very sensible and realistic conversations with William along the way, and um, you know his his enthusiasm for the game and for the horse in particular is is infectious, and it's a it's a pleasure to have horses with him. And I'd encourage you know anybody who's thinking of ownership, and um, if you you know you're, you're going to get much more atten- personal attention in a smaller yard, and um, and and he and Chris look after you very well. What Roger? What would you like to do with the horse in your in your dream scenario? I guess you've already lived a few dreams with him, but in your dream scenario from now to the end of the the year, year and beyond, what would you like to see him do? Um, look, the, the next target is the arc. Uh, I mean, I think people would have said that was absurdly ambitious before he won the King George and he won it well in decent time. Um, so I think, you know, he absolutely 100% deserves his place in the field. He does also act, uh, you know, I mean, we're very fortunate with Pile Driver because, you know, not only has he got, you know, to date an immensely calm temperament, um, but he does act on absolutely any ground. I mean, he he has one on heavy ground, and he wouldn't be inconvenienced if it comes up soft as it often does at Nonchamp. Um, after that, look, I mean, well, well, before that, uh, it is my personal view that he shouldn't have another run before that. You can't go to the well too often, and William did a magnificent job of priming him right for the day with a couple of racecourse gallops. And that is the present intention. After that, um, look, the, the horse will tell us. Uh, we, we've sort of kept him on the go, ticking over throughout the year. It's probably easier as a five-year-old than as a younger horse because he can stand the, the training as well as the racing. Um, yeah, we, we've, we had invitations, obviously, to, to just about everything. Um, I mean, the... The Breeders' Cup, I suppose, is a possibility. It's a, on turf. It's a it's a month after the Arc, um, and a month after that is the Hong Kong Vars, where he obviously performed very well. We've been invited to the Japan Cup. I don't think that's an easy race for English horses, personally. Um, and then, well, in the Shima Classic, um, where again, the you know, he obviously quite liked the track. So, I mean we'll keep him going and, and, until he tells us otherwise, you know? We've talked a little bit about his future prospects as a stallion. Um, is that something you give a lot of thought to or not? Uh, to be honest, no. I mean, I think um, I, I think he has got a future as a, as, as, an, uh, as a national hunt stallion, probably more than anything, because he obviously, I mean, he, he really did stay the ledger trip as a, as a three-year-old. And, and um, you know, I, I, I think he... Um, you know, is a is a great middle distance performer, but we uh, to be to be honest, Nick, we we've not given a lot of thought to it. We've had one or two conversations, we've had one or two approaches from Ireland, but you know, at the moment, we're concentrating very much on his racing career. Roger Devlin, owner breeder of Pile Driver, one of the great stories of the last couple of years in flat racing. Dave, where does Saturday's result leave the three year olds now? Emily Upjohn, Westover, being the strong it seemed going into the race representatives of each gender of their generation i wrote in the sunday mirror that that the 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 classic generation were left bruised and humbled and 
I think that in tabloid ease, that's a fair thing to write. However, they ran so disappointingly that I don't really think we can we can use Saturday's result as as a, a measure of their merit. Emily Upjohn was was far too keen uh, during the early stages, and as we've said, everything went wrong for Westover. And I think I'm happy to join the uh, the, the common consensus that 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 wasn't the jockey's fault. It was just him being too buzzy and he got too worked up. If that in some way talks down the, the, the achievements of, of Pile Driver and Torquata Tasso, who ran an excellent race on ground that visually looked as though he felt was far too quick, then so be it. I know you spoke to Rafe Beckett after the race and Barry Mann gave quotes to the Thoroughbred Daily News yesterday where he said that Westover would have a good rest and would come back in the autumn either for the St. Ledger or for the arc trials with a, with a view to the arc. I mean, I don't think there's any surprises there. Those are really the only two routes for the horse who clearly needed a break. Judmont Farms won't have to go back too far to remember Workforce, who blew out completely in the King George as a three-year-old and finished one from last and then came back and romped in the arc. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Um, I, I think that most of us would just see this as a blip uh, with regard to Westover's career, wouldn't we? You know, he's he's running the the two best middle distance three-year-old races of of the British summer, the the Derby and the Irish Derby, and he emerged with tremendous credit in both. He won one by seven lengths, and he was an unlucky loser in the other. So it's um it's obviously premature to write Westover off. Obviously, you know, mentally there did seem to be something of a of a uh, a kink, I would say, on on Saturday that that the event seemed to get to him. Uh, we know that King George uh, Day at Ascot is a big event. I didn't think that the crowd was a massive one uh, by the by the standards of that race, um, but he did seem to get worked up. You know, people noticed before the race that that he was sweating and that the occasion seemed to be uh, something that he wasn't quite taking in his stride. But as you say, there is a precedent. Um, Rafe Beckett did say afterwards he'll have a holiday now. He said that the, the race tactically hadn't quite worked out as they thought it would um, and just said that that it wasn't their day-to-day. They'd have a rest and come back for the autumn. So at least they can cling on to workforce as evidence that uh, you can bounce back in the autumn. Uh, one or two sharp-eyed observers noted that um, if John Gosden had well and truly sacked Frankie Dettori, then Dettori might have ridden two Group 1 winners that he hasn't. Prosperous voyage in the Falmer Stakes when Dettori was on in spiral, and of course Pile Driver on Saturday, as Dettori was the original replacement rider for Martin Dwyer. Um, but of course he had to ride uh, Emily Upjohn. Uh, tomorrow at Goodwood, he won't get the ride on Stradivarius. We documented that last week on the pod with, with Bjorn Nielsen. You heard from Bjorn Nielsen's daughter Lizzie in conversation on the Saturday edition as well. Um, that is a, a tremendous highlight to the first day of Goodwood Day. But again, we're going to be playing Will He Won't He with, with Trushan, aren't we? Yes, we are. I mean, last, you know, great credit to Alan King. He's always, he, he puts it pretty simply. Um, when I spoke to him, um, I think the horse worked on Wednesday last week. And he said, uh, if it's good ground, he'll run. If it's good to firm, he won't. All right, well, let's try and find out what the ground might be doing on the first day of uh, Glorious Goodwood. Clark of the course, Ed Arkell is, is with me now. Ed, obviously, you've talked about this being a challenging time. You've talked about climate change quite a bit in the last few weeks. Where are you at with, with the surface? 
Um, we're calling it good, good to firm in places. It's seven five on the going stick. Um, and we've got a mainly overcast day today, a little bit breezy, um, chance of maybe a millimetre, two millimetres in a shower uh, from lunchtime early afternoon. Um, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if we didn't see any of that. What ground do you aim to start on at Goodwood? Um, we'd like to start on good or just the quick side of good. We've got five-day meeting, obviously, and you know if we start on good to firm, we can't get round and just water it all every night, sadly. So it would be rattling quick by the end of the week uh, if we had a dry week and you didn't start somewhere near good. Um, and you know we'll just let it dry back and see where we are towards the middle of the week. And if we have to put a little bit of water on overnight, then we'll do that. When you say you can't water every night, is that just a logistical thing or is that because of the safety of the track because of the undulations? No, it's, it's just it's just a logistical thing. You know, we're two and a half miles round, um, or two, yeah, two and a half miles round if you're counting the pull-up and the and the shoot on the six. It's, we just don't have the time um, and the facilities to be able to get, say, five millimetres onto everything every night. So what we tend to do is put five mil or whatever we decide to put on on the round course one night and then we'll do the straight the following night or vice versa, depending on what's quickening up faster. So you, you water tonight, I guess? Yeah, we're, we're, all we're doing at the moment is just replacing what we're losing through um, ET each day. Um, we've got a weather station and that lets us know how much we're losing and then we're just replacing that um, as we go along at the moment. Um, and obviously we're doing a bit during the day and we can put the pop-ups on at night as well. Okay, so with, with the, the question of the Goodwood Cup tomorrow, clearly is, is Trushan going to run or not? I'm, gu- I'm guessing you probably had a million conversations with Alan King about this. Uh, no, I, um, Alan rang me at Dex. Um, you know, very, very happy to, to let us let it be and see what happens. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. And Alan's going to come, I think, and have a little bit of a walk beforehand and see what the feedback is from the jockeys and, you know, either run or not run. Hopefully um, he'll run because it'll be a fantastic, uh, fantastic clash. Well, that's Ed Arkell, Clark of the Course at Goodwood. And Dave, we're going to have to wait right to the last minute again for the true Shan decision. As you said, it's a, a cross between good and good to firm, probably. And it'll it'll take a, an Alan King walk and, and, a, and a last minute announcement, I would imagine. Even without true Shan, we're still left with a, with a clash between Kiprios and Stradivarius that has more than a bit of piquancy to it. There's a, a score to settle and probably an argument to settle as well, isn't there, in this race? Uh, many people felt that Stradivarius was an, was an unlucky loser of the Gold Cup. Remember the, the scrambling, really sort of funeral cortege gallop that finally lifted entering the final quarter mile. Uh, Frankie de Tori found himself in desperate search of daylight, had to switch to the outside. Uh, Stradivarius was still beaten a length and a quarter in the race. He wasn't even second. Uh, that honour, of course went to Mojo Star. My, my own personal view is that, that Kiprios confirmed himself that day as the, as the new big cheese of the staying division. And I, I think he'll probably uh, confirm the form. And, and perhaps the notion that, uh, that there was an injustice on the Royal Heath on Ladies' Day. Well, I don't think we call it that anymore, but on the Thursday of, of Royal Ascot, I think that might end up in the bin. And Dave, that's certainly a, a feeling I sensed was shared by Fiona Craig, the racing manager to co-owners and breeders of Kiprios Moyglare, when I spoke with her earlier on today. I would agree. I don't, you know, I, I, the first thing Ryan said when he came in is he said that was a horrible race to ride. He said we were all over the place. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think Kiprios just kept going. 
and I think there was a lot of publicity afterwards that was really, um, yeah, I, just listen, it's difficult for me to judge. Um, but I, you know, I felt that Kiprios's win was somewhat downplayed. Uh, downplayed or overshadowed? Well, overshadowed, I think, or just ignored. I mean, you know, I, I, I went running out to buy the racing post the next day for the for Ava, the owner, thinking he might be on the cover. And what was on the cover was a word saying hot. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So I didn't, you know, so that, that was all. It was almost as if it hadn't happened. And you opened the paper and it was page after page. And quite rightly, listen, I, it, you know, I, Stradivarius is a great horse. No one's taking it away from him. But, you know... It, the end of the day does come, as with it does with all horses. And I don't, I'm not sure that Kiprios did anything to, um, I, I wouldn't say that Kiprios affected Stradivarius's final position. With that in mind, and given the fact that Kiprios hasn't had all that much racing, do you think you're scratching the surface? Do you think there's a, a lot more to come from, from the Moigler horse? Possibly, possibly. Um, based on how his sister has done and everything else, I, you know, I, I would imagine, and we, I, I, we've been talking about it. I mean, this time last year, we were sitting here with a horse that was extremely body sore, very stiff, had won a couple of races and crawled out underneath the front of the stalls in the Queen's Vase. So none of us knew very much, to be honest. And I went down to see him at Ballydoyle, and he just was, he, he never broke anything. I think he just was incredibly body sore and to give Aiden his due he just you know he he was ridden every day but he just you could barely touch him because he was so sore and he just gave him the time so I don't think this time last year we had no idea what he was because we just thought he's possibly potentially a naughty little boy and I think when he came back and he beat he beat um search unfortunately in the vintage crop and she ran an extremely good race but he just looked you know, he, he looked like, hmm, this will be interesting. So on we've gone with him and obviously the Ascot Gold Cup. Um, I think he wins it with or without Stradivarius personally, and I think Ryan does too. Um, and we'll see in Goodwood. I mean, the ground is similar. It seems to be good to firm. They don't seem to have had much rain. I'm sure they've been watering, but how much that will affect Trushan. Trushan looks very dangerous. If he runs back to his Northumberland Cup run, then he's a good, he's a very good horse. I would be more, I think he's probably better on softer ground. But to be honest, I would be more concerned about Trushan probably than I would Stradivarius. It comes down to the jockeys now. They have to ride their races. Um, Fiona, I must ask you about Homeless Songs because we haven't seen her, we haven't seen her since her, her romp in the, in the Irish Guineas and ground is quite important to her. Yes. So, um, so what's the plan? Quite, um, she she looks very like a Jabawi, and to be honest, she's getting older. She's getting faster looking, but she's not she's she's not over big. She's probably about sixteen hands, but she's got quite short front legs. She's really built like a sprinter. You could see her running over six or seven furlongs, and I think that's the problem. And she moves a little bit like a sprinter, and hence that is the reservation about running her on fast ground, and that has been the reservation really since April. So, do you? What do you do? How do you play it from here on in? Just wait. I mean, she's 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 on target to run in the matron, but we're just keeping everything crossed. I mean, Ireland got rain this last weekend, so we're just hoping. But I mean, Leperstown normally runs reasonably fast, so we've got a few backup plans. We may just we just may have to wait till the autumn, and probably as she gets older, she'll get a little bit more tolerant of it. But she's not designed for fast ground. I mean, she was ready to go at Ascot. I mean, we were just. 
praying we get some rain and of course it didn't come so she was dropped down after that because she was ready to go and we kept hoping that we get some thunder showers or something and then of course they didn't come and the ground was lightning fast so that's why she didn't go she was dropped down after that and now she's being wound back up again for the matron but it, 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 it's impossible to predict what the ground will do Leperstown normally rides reasonably fast now it was good it, it was good ground the day she won the trial and that's fine she doesn't need soft ground you know people have said to me things like oh she must be horribly crooked if she needs heavy ground and I go guys she doesn't need heavy ground she just needs probably just to get her toe in that's all she needs just just a touch a good ground is fine for her it's just a good to firm we're in danger of you know turning her off a little bit and given what you're saying about her um would you consider dropping her down in in trip for for something like the foray or something like that yeah she may have to do that that's what we've actually thought about I mean, there are there are other options through the autumn, of course, and the, the ground will be softer at those. But certainly that would be one option, yes. And we've discussed a few others as well. But obviously she will run at Leperstown in the matron, providing the ground is safe for her. And that's that's just the only thing we can really say, you know. Fiona Craig of Moyglair there with an update on homeless songs as well as looking forward to tomorrow's Goodwood Cup. The Group 1 feature on Wednesday is the Sussex Stakes. As I mentioned at the beginning of the programme, Caribus is not running, has got an abscess and therefore will wait if he's all okay for the Jacques de Marois at Deauville. Uh, Dave, it should be a formality, shouldn't it, for, for Baid with all due respect to alcohol-free and the somewhat resurgent Order of Australia? Yeah, I, I, I think it, I think it is a formality, isn't it? I, I can't see anyone. There, there doesn't seem to be uh, a weakness in Baid that we can see. The, the horses that, uh, well, he's beaten Order of Australia, hasn't he? Uh, he's beaten Alcohol Free. William Haggis's four-year-old just looks a really exceptional horse. He hasn't quite got caught the public imagination yet, has he? Um, as some stars have. Of the past, and and there are there are comparisons coming through with Frankel because he's now going to follow the the Frankel route uh, of his four year old career. But um, no, I I think that uh, I think Bayern will still be unbeaten at about twenty to four on Wednesday afternoon. Goodwood tomorrow, but Galway starts today, gets the march. And this evening, one of the most interesting runners is HMS Seahorse, who was amongst the leading fancies for the Galway hurdle later in the week. But he's at number 28 and isn't guaranteed a run, which puts trainer Paul Nolan and his team in a bit of a dilemma. So, Paul, how are you? How have you decided to play it? Uh, well, Nick, we, we, we really did. You know, um, it was out of our hands and it looked, uh, you know, when, when the entries came out, um, being that far down to get in, uh, the chances of getting in are very slim. So, you know, it might go down to four or five or that. But So that's why we elected to uh, uh, run today. And, uh, you know, uh, that's basically it. So it was, it was out of our hands. And, uh, uh, you know, no blame to other people. Why would you want to let them in if you had runners in it? So, I mean, that's that's basically it. I mean, that's become quite a theme, hasn't it, of big handicaps in Ireland over over recent seasons, that you get a fancied horse and, you know, if you've got a bunch of runners, people will just load the race up to, to stop you getting in. Are you, are you just saying all's fair in love and war, you'd do the same if it was you? Absolutely. 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 There's no way I thought if I'd... You know, everything is a chance. Uh, no matter what form a horse has, it can turn it around on the day. I mean, you know, you can see... 40 50 60 to 1 winners of these handicaps at times that are that, that, that don't look to have a chance and, and all of a sudden things go right for them in the race and uh, 
all those horses are getting into the race because they had a rating at a certain time that they were a certain standard and I wouldn't blame anyone at, at all uh, you know if I had if I had the horses like that in my stable um, I'd run them as well I, 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 I think that's it it's, it's all fair and love and war and I do the same so it wouldn't be impossible that you got in later in the week if you went and won today as you as you ought to uh, given given his odds was there any temptation to back him up? Of course there would you know what happened we'd see how he'd come out of it and make a decision then you know on the basis of that but you know we'll get the day over with first it's not you know he's uh, he's a horse he's, he's 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 very small in stature he's not the most uh, you know scopy of jumpers so you know I'd uh, I, I don't I, I, I wouldn't uh, I don't bet anyway but betting at that sort of odds I wouldn't do it anyway and especially you know uh, he's a decent little horse uh, but you know his, his scope over jumps uh, it, it has to be questioned and, and uh, I certainly at, at those sort of odds I, I wouldn't like it but still of course the horse has a great chance and I'd be disappointed if he didn't win I was reading in the paper last week Noel Mead and others were telling you you were crazy to be running him over hurdles anyway I just sensed from what you were saying there that you actually think you might get your big payday on the flat further down the track that Iris Azara which is big money this year it is but at the end of the day like he came out of uh, the best station in the world and uh, he, he came out of it and we, we ran him off a mark of 82 for his first run in the flat and um, you know he got 19 pounds for winning Nick and I, I, and I don't think this uh, you know uh, at the end of the day maybe going into one of those bigger handicaps you wouldn't if you didn't get a, a, a higher rating you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't get in anyway so at the end of the day uh, we, we hope that he, he will improve but the, bay, the the chance of improving more off a off a whack of nineteen pounds uh, are fairly slim. Okay, so in short, you run today. He's a short price favourite. He should go well if he comes out of the race well. You'll have a look at Friday, but certainly by no means a guaranteed runner. Even if he did get in, and then you'll have a have a think about something on the flat later on. Absolutely, there's no doubt in the world about. It. I mean, that, that that's basically it. You know, if you. If you pulled out and you ran in the Galway herd and you finished herd and it's say oh, that's great, blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, normally when you're running as quick as that, uh, it's it's it, it, you know it's 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 uh, it's very tough on them and uh, it 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 wouldn't be ideal. But we'll we'll deal with today first. Well, thanks to all my guests uh, this morning. David Yates is still with me from the Daily Mirror. Uh, Dave, have you got a tip for me for today? I have indeed. Uh, we go to the eight forty at Windsor and it's Baez. Um, this is a filly trained by David Manuizier and marked her first attempt in a mile and a half with, a, I thought, an unlucky neck defeat at Chepstow earlier this month. Gets another go here. I hope this will be more of a test at the distance and that Baez can go one better. 8.40 race at Windsor tonight. Selection number three, Baez. All right, Dave, thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. It's great to be back. That was Monday, July the 25th. Roll on, Goodwood. See you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.